Welcome to the Living a Life Unleashed podcast. Welcome to the Living a Life Unleashed podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Bishop, and I'm glad that you have tuned in. Hey, if you're feeling stuck in life or restless or have ever asked yourself, is there something more? Today's show is for you. I've loved hearing from you and how these podcasts are making a difference in your lives. And thanks for leaving honest reviews when you listen on iTunes and Podbean and Google Play, because when you review the podcast, it helps to make it more visible and accessible to others. Well, I was talking to a listener the other day, and she said that her mom's group listens to these podcasts and then discusses them together. And I just thought, you know what? That is a great idea. So when you listen, consider grabbing a friend and processing what you're learning together. Invite a friend along on your journey of living a life unleashed, because I'm reminded that we cannot fully become who we were created to be in isolation. We must invite others into our process and journey. And let's admit it, when we invite other people in, it's much more fun. Well, my heart's desire and passion on these podcasts is that our time together gives you insights and tools that are really a catalyst for you to live a life unleashed and grow and playing full out and living fully into who you were created to be. Because here's the deal. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. That is the bottom line. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I would love for these podcasts to help you to gain more insight, to live more fully into that. Because there's no one on the planet like you with the same giftings and talents and life experiences. And you were created to thrive and make a positive contribution to those in the world around you. So Having said that, I'm just super thrilled about today's show because I've invited Sharon Swing, and she's founder of Swing Consulting Incorporated. She's the co-author of Listen to My Life and co-founder of OneLifeMaps.com, which is an organization that is dedicated to helping people review their life stories as a means of really growing spiritually and a way to gain insights that are a catalyst to taking meaningful action in life and relationships and career Etc. So excited to have you guys tuning into that because I think you are going to find a lot of value in our time together. So I'm just warning you, you might want to grab a pen and paper because there are probably going to be some things that you want to write down. Well, one thing I love about my guest, Sharon, is that she shares a similar drive and passion for giving people tools to live life unleashed and specifically as it relates to the clarity and courage people gain as they engage in their life stories as a spiritual practice. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what that means in a minute. Well, Sharon, it is so good to have you on the other line. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad to join you. And you're singing off my uh, same song sheet here. We're uh, we're definitely uh, on the same page with what our passions are and what our hopes are for people. Yeah, I think we have a ton of synergy in in the things that we are up to in life. And but before we dive into to some of the the topics for today, I'd love for our listeners just to learn a little bit about Sharon. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, that's a complex subject. Um, <laughs> I have a busy mind. Um, there's a lot going on as uh, as I am a creative person and I have more ideas than I could possibly ever implement. I, uh, like you have mentioned, I'm an organization development consultant and I uh, do executive coaching and I facilitate meetings, brainstorming meetings for research and development groups and things of that kind. And then I also have this just passion for life story and spiritual development and helping people enter their stories as a spiritual practice, which basically means being able to recognize and respond to God in the midst of our lives. Because as far as I'm concerned, what else could be more important than being able to recognize and respond to the God who made us, who knows us better than we know ourselves, and has good in mind for us? Hmm. That's good. That's good. Well, I, I'd love our listeners to learn a little bit about um, Listen to My Life, which people are like, what is Listen to My Life? So what what is Listen to My Life and how did it come to be? 
Well, Listen to My Life is a set of materials. It's not a book. It's not really a workbook. We call it a portfolio of visual maps that help people document their life story from eight different perspectives for the purpose of gaining clarity and courage. And um, it has to do with spiritual growth and meaningful action, in another way of putting it. And it came to be in the midst of uh, my partner in this, Sybil Towner, uh, at the time was the director of spiritual mentoring under a women's ministry at Willow Creek uh, Community Church in South Barrington, Illinois. And um, I was facilitating her strategy team. And we always had more people who wanted to be mentored than we had uh, people to be mentors. And we would ask people who we thought would be good mentors, and they'd say, well, I don't know what to do with that because I've never been mentored. And um, I had, in various different ways, when I was doing my master's degree in organization development, come across life mapping. um, And I had come across life mapping several other times um, in my past, in my 20s and into my early 30s. And I was absolutely taken by how at a cross at these crossroads in my life early on um, life mapping had helped me gain clarity and courage and after I left kind of a hair on fire ministry job um, I knew to return to life mapping and I had um, ordered some materials from a group that I have learned some really good things uh, from professionally on the organization development side, who we I, I learned graphic recording from them, which is we use these large charts when we do meetings that are like four foot high and eight foot wide, and they are visual maps that guide the group conversation. And they had just produced a small version that was done with a professional coach of this of these visual maps that were for. Um, kind of a planning purpose, uh, life planning. And I ordered the materials uh, and went through them, inviting God to uh, work the process with me. I wanted to hear what he had to say about my life. Mm. But the materials themselves were very, you are the center of the universe kind of focused. And I took the materials to Sybil and I said, from what we're trying to accomplish within this uh, mentoring ministry, we could create a set of visual maps that would that would help people enter in in the ways that we're looking for. We went about writing uh, "Listen to My Life," That's so good. it was yeah. And the full title, if I haven't mentioned, is "Listen to My Life: Maps for Recognizing and Responding to God in My Story." Hmm. That's that's really the subtitle is really the most important part. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So so for people who are really new to this concept, like literally right now I'm looking at the what they you call the my life now map. So it literally is like a map that helps guide has different questions and different visuals to help guide you, you know, towards this discovery process. But kind of give our listeners a little bit of an idea of what what do you hope is possible when people go through this life mapping process? What What is the kind of the end goal, so to speak? Well, I wish I was good enough to be able to tell you um, the answer to that because God does a lot of different things with it. Hmm. <laughs> we kind of set the stage and set the environment where people can listen to themselves, listen to God, and listen to others and be listened to in a way that helps them to listen to themselves and the Holy Spirit. And so, the the idea here is um, helping people, like I said, to recognize and respond to God and whatever He's up to. And so, people f- write and doodle and draw on these maps, which are nonlinear And it's not like a Bible study kind of a format, you know, how some Bible studies have kind of a right answer Hmm. um, that you're filling in the blank with. These aren't right or wrong answer kind of questions. They're introspective questions. They are questions that, for example, the 
cornerstone of the My Life Now map, um, you know, it'll ask you all different kinds of questions about um, uh, what's causing restlessness and, and, and what's drawing your attention, who's involved, what's my situation and all. But then the cornerstone question is this lingering question. And, you know, that's the question about what lies just beneath the surface. What, why are you even interested in doing this process? What are you hoping to get out of it? Or if you had one question you could ask God about your life right now, what would it be? And whatever the answer, whatever the question is, that lingering question is, is kind of what drives the action of, um, of what happens with the rest of the maps, either consciously or unconsciously for a person. That's the question that's, that's, that's stirring. And we see the rest of our lives through that question. Hmm. At this point in time, looking for an answer. It's kind of like if you've ever taken a speed reading class, you ask, you, you kind of skim the material real quick and you say, what questions do I want to ask of this text? And then your brain has this amazing capacity to not be able to leave a good question alone. So what, and, what are some examples yeah. of other li- lingering questions? Like what, so for example, on mine, I put, am I good enough? Um, what are some other questions I have here? How can I feel more alive? Why do I feel like I keep getting stuck? <laughs> I mean, what are, what are some other lingering questions that you have? Those either? are such good questions. Hmm. And, and can you imagine God responding to those questions saying, I'm so glad you asked. Let's talk about that. Yeah. I mean, th- those are really powerful questions. I mean, for so sometimes they're really very practical questions that people write. For example, um, should I look for a new job? They or um, should I move to this place or that? And in fact, one one woman um, was asking, should I move to Florida or should I move to Texas for various different reasons and jobs and things of that kind, and family and and all and. Um, the question itself was kind of top shelf because she had a lease that was expiring. <laughs> she was, you know, uh, a job was coming to an end here and, and all. And so it's not that that question didn't need to be answered, but she found that the question needed refining and like, what's underneath that question? And after a conversation, um, she came to a, a deeper level question is, where will I be able to express more of who God made me to be? Wow. So the, so the lingering question really was an indication that there was something deeper that needed to be accessed. Right. But you have to start somewhere, right? Yeah. So the first question was not wrong, but it led her to the deeper question. Um, and sometimes people have lingering questions that are deeply spiritual, and for me, for a very long time, uh, my question um, had been, uh, how can I live letting God's love eradicate my fears? Ooh, that's good. And because I, I just have this, and I still have this deep sense that I respond to voices and tugs on my life that are other than God's voice for me. And why do I why do I fear things in a way that that make me make choices that motivated me to make choices other than just what God wants? Hmm. So what's your process been then? I mean, I'm assuming you've made progress <laughs> progress in that area. so what what is that? so we so we have this lingering question. I know what are there like nine maps in the process or are there more than there are eight there are eight there eight. are eight maps in the process. and I mean that you're you're asking a great question there about my process with that question. And then as you progress through the maps, basically getting underneath that, it says, okay, what's my perception of who God is? And in the my life, story map, the second one in the process, there's this bottom line on there. There's a lot of stuff going on on that map, but one of them is, what has been my perception of God over time? Because if I don't believe that God is good, Hmm. then how can I put aside all other voices and trust His? If I don't believe He's good and He's for me, 
And where did I pick up these other perceptions of, of who God is? What has my tribe handed me? And what have I picked up along the way? What stories have I told myself about my story <laughs> Right. Um, that have led me to believe otherwise and messed with my trust with God? So what's, what's an example of that either for you? Well, well, I'll just, I'll just share one and maybe we can talk about this a little bit. Um, so I've had this recurring, reoccurring memory that happened in fourth grade and I won't go through all the details, but God just really gave me a revelation a handful of weeks ago about based on a story, something that happened. Well, let's start with this based on something that happened in fourth grade. I told myself a story and that story unconsciously has lingered with me for, oh my word, like almost 40 years. And God just gave me a revelation around kind of the lies that I've been believing as a result of that. And I know this is a lot of the, the life mapping process is to be able to, to look at our stories. But within that fourth grade experience, very long story short, we were doing an art project and there were a pair of scissors that were missing. And so one kid stood up and pointed at me and said, she stole them. And I hadn't stolen them. I didn't even know there were, you know, there were any scissors missing. Well, what happened and, and I, you know what, I, I don't fault the teacher. I think she had good intentions, but she literally put me on trial, like literally created a judge, a jury of my peers, a plaintiff, me, the defendant, and then these like 10 year old attorneys on each side. And so, and I can't remember how long it took it. I feel like it took an eternity, but I was literally on trial in front of my peers for something, one, that I didn't do, but it was the ultimate humiliation. Like you want love and acceptance at every area of your life, but especially in those formative years. Well, the long and short of it is that my memory uh, recalls that it was kind of almost down to the wire. The jury was deliberating and about to hand down a sentence and another kid stands up with a pair of scissors in his hands and says, are these the scissors? And they were, meaning I was exonerated and I was found not guilty. But it wasn't that that event, unbeknownst to me, what God just real just helped me realize decades later was that was a very formative experience for me because what it started to teach me is people can't be trusted. They won't stick up for you. They don't have your back. You have to fend for yourself. And so... I have just realized in my adult years how I that one experience, again, unconsciously, has kind of formed some of these false beliefs in me. So now it's like unraveling and let God and God speak speak truth into those areas. So I don't I don't know if that right. example is Oh, that's perfect. That is perfect. Because of the fact that then as you go into the your if you if you actually go into mapping your my life story in that way and you and you have in mind those stories that you told yourself about yourself right because beliefs seem like perfect representations of the world but in fact they're not hmm. they're 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 models and for navigating a very complex world and and they don't always help you navigate reality. And you have to realize that those that those that story and the lenses that you put on how you view the world at that point in time have affected the choices you've made. And the way you have shown up in various different ways and places and times and with certain people and the fears that the that that inst has instilled in you have had a, has have had a ripple effect. Right, right. And you can you can look at that storyline and you can see what the ripple effect is. And but then the big deal is is what does God say the truth is about you? And what is the truth? Because of the fact that there's also a piece of that story that you could say so. Um, how did the things that you told yourself in conclusion to, of that story help you in various different ways? Because there are some useful things mm -hmm. that probably came out of it. Can, can you think of a few? Of things that might have been useful from that experience? Right. 
has has it protected you in some way? Yeah, I think, and this is kind of another, there, there are things that when we grow up, we needed them to protect us, but as adults, we no longer do. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I haven't given too much thought to the good that that produced, to be honest with you. And again, I'm not angry about it, or I don't have any ill thoughts. I was actually, no, that's okay. I was actually more grateful that that came to mind, because the really fascinating thing, and I, one of the things I love about the My Life Now mapping process is when you like just the process that you bring people through the questions the insights that are gained it just kind of creates this space for god to to speak and respond to some of these lingering questions that we have and i think that the thing that i'm grateful for is that god brought that situation to mind not for me to be like oh my gosh how could that have happened but to really show me how that actually isn't true, that there are people in my life that love to support me, that have my back. And it's just been fascinating since this revelation of the story and the impact that it had. It's been fascinating in the last three weeks to see in little and even big ways how people in my life, like I feel like more than ever, are showing up in a way that are um, coming alongside me, that are... um, I don't know, help helping me in, in, in ways that I might not have seen before. Do you know what I mean? Well, it, the, it may be in ways you haven't seen before, but it also is maybe that you're showing up a little differently that allows people to come alongside you. Okay. That's probably, you know, there, it, it could be, <laughs> I don't know, but, but I think there are some shifts inside of us that make us more approachable, more helpable. <laughs> um, more supportable, all of those things, more winsome, you know, more fun to be with. Um, yeah. Who knows? And there's, but this gratitude piece is huge that you're talking about because we can become grateful, not for the event itself, but some good that came out of it. Because yes, there are, as you, as you said, things that were useful for protecting us early on that we it's that that somewhere along the line we have overused right right (laughs) and it's time to let go of and all of us have those things there's no shame in any of it it's just what it is it's it's all of our stories right and once we can become grateful for part of the good it is then we can really um, release ourselves to make choices about how we respond and how we react in situations where those those stories that we tell that we had told ourselves come into play again. So when we get more or less triggered by something that's happening now, and we used to drag all of these presuppositions from the past into our present and make choices based on those beliefs and assumptions, mm-hmm. now we can even acknowledge that 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 we have that those things have been drug up, but that we have a choice because I can be grateful for how they have protected and preserved me in various different say, and then just say, and thank you very much. I don't need you right now. Mm-hmm. Right, right. <laughs> and make a different choice. What, um, let's talk a little bit about, and it's true and gosh, we could probably, I could talk forever on that because again, there are things that have happened. We've created stories inviting God to, you know, heal part of the story and also reveal how he's working in the story now um, and to release some things. But but also what you said, too, I resonate with. It's like, okay, me protecting myself as a, you know, fourth grader, that worked. But as a 40-something-year-old woman, I no longer need to protect myself that way. Um, so thank you very much. And moving on and not letting that protection mechanism continue to be a barrier from, gosh, you name it, from receiving help, from building greater intimacy and relationships. There's just so many implications of it, right? Mm-hmm. And and the thing is, God does not bring stuff up from our past to harm us or to hurt us with them. He brings them up because of the fact that he's got some healing, restoring, redemption, freedom. He's inviting us toward freedom. That's what he does. That's who he is. And so when people get stuck about the possibility of going back and mapping their past, and 
if 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 I just encourage people to say, don't try to drudge stuff up. Just ask God to help you to remember the things that He wants you to be aware of right now, because He's got freedom and healing in it for you. Right. There's an invitation there. Hmm. And so it's not that we go back and we have to relive the pain. It's actually that we get to return with Jesus and take a new look at it to get a fresh perspective on it. Right. It's good because one of the things in the the process that it's a huge part of your process is discerning how our life story impacts the way we're living today and, and ultimately what our choices are going to be for tomorrow. So your process really helps people gain insight is what in, in a lot of unconscious ways are the things that may have happened in my past influencing? There, there's a book actually that I you probably read. It's called um, "Catching Your Past, Invading Your Future, and What to Do About It." Have you heard about that book? I have heard about it. I haven't read it. Yeah, it's really, really, yeah, really good. Good title. Mm-hmm. It's good, but that's only part of a story, right? People always assume that it's about the hard stuff, and um, a huge portion of this process is um, recognizing your design and who God made you to be. And so there's a third map that's the peak experiences map that talks about what are your peak experiences. These aren't like your top accomplishments. These are, when did you feel most alive? When did you feel most yourself? When did you feel um, that you were so engaged in something that you just absolutely lost track of time almost? Were there times that, that were just absolutely filled you with joy? And what were the conditions, you know, what happened and what were the conditions that made those those peak experiences possible? And what are the themes and threads between them? And how do we make the conditions that made those peak experiences possible, how do we make those normative? Hmm. And so there's a very appreciative piece of this process that is wildly life-giving, that give us clues to who God designed us to be. Because our perspective is that God intends to live through us as us, as he designed us. It's not that we're, like, the, the question, for example, the, the one of the lingering questions you mentioned was, am I good enough? You know, well, the fact of the matter is, God made you, so you're good enough for whatever he's called you to do. Because he's going, he's gifted you, and he's empowered you, and him working through you is more than enough for whatever he's got in front of you. Right. And and so, given that reality, we have to also a lot of times work with the fact that people are working off of a Genesis three perspective of themselves as opposed to a Genesis one perspective of themselves. And what I'm talking about there is Genesis three is when the fall happens, right? And some of us have been handed a story um, about God, about religion, and all, that basically says we're a problem to God. Well, yeah, he loves me, but he doesn't like me very much. And if you go back to Genesis 1, and you look at he creates the world, and then he creates humans, and he says, it is very good, Hmm. very good. And do we believe the Genesis 1 version that the cross came to redeem? Jesus came to redeem us, to return us to the assurance that God's it is very good is said about us. Yeah, that's really, I think that's such an important thing to actually camp out on because I think that a lot of us are operating in, as you say, the generous, the generous, the Genesis three part. And and I like, yeah, God loves me, but it doesn't even like me. I think especially women wrestle with that. And, you know, that ties into our image and our worth and so forth. Why do you, why do you think it is that, you know, God, you know, so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that, you know, we could have eternal life, we could have abundance, but we're, 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 we're not living in that abundance that we are still living in this God really doesn't like me place. What? Why mm-hmm. do you think that is? <laughs> well, I, I think some of us grew up in places where that's the storyline we were handed. Um, 
I also think, I mean, I, I grew up in a in a church where God was kind of presented as the cosmic line judge telling me that it, if it, where it was in and out of bounds. Hmm. And um, that if I'm if I'm good, things will go well, and if I'm not, things won't, which is only partially true, right? Right. Because <laughs> you can be good, and some really hard things can happen. And so, what do I do with that? Hmm. And you know, the fact that we live in a fallen world, and so, how do we get our story straight about? how we have processed the hard parts in our lives and also the good parts. Um, did I earn them? Did I deserve them? Did I? <laughs> All of that. So there are storylines that have to be sorted out because they have to do with our perception of who God is. And th- this whole process kind of opens these questions up in a way that's really not... Um, it's, it's really below the surface. It's just what happens as people map their stories, because God is really interested in helping us sort this stuff out. And that's what life story work is all about. It helps us sort out our stories so that we can decide what to take with us and what to leave behind. And we want to do that with God. Mm. And God always ends up being this wildly trustworthy companion in that. And we are not smart enough to write a set of materials that will sort that out for you. This is work that is yours to do with God. And we trust that God is for you, that He loves you, that He created you very good, that His intention is to live through you as you, and He intends for you to live joyfully even in the midst of extreme difficulty and sacrifice. What would you say to someone who would say, I can't imagine filling out eight maps. My life isn't that interesting, and I don't think I'd have anything to write down. <laughs> what would you say? Um, I'd say give it a try. <laughs> yeah. Give it a try. And the thing is, it doesn't have to be exhaustive. For example, the second map, My Life Story, um, it doesn't have to be this exhaustive memoir, for goodness sakes. It's a visual map because of the fact that it only has a certain amount of space on it, and we're not asking people to write longhand. And you can use symbols for different events, you can write, and you can use bullet points and decide, you know, given where I am right now, these are the things that are important, and leave the rest of it alone. Hmm. And so, um, and then just, just follow just follow the spirit of God's prompting to go where he's inviting you to go because we know, even if you don't know it for yourself, we will believe it for you that God is for you and he loves you and he's got good in mind for you in the midst of this. But we we live our lives unaware and we live our lives disconnected from ourselves, from God, and from others um, in ways that keep us numb. And that's not a way to live life that is truly life. And so how do these maps help so that that is not the case? Well, these, these maps, I think some of the best stuff that people have 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 come to understand about mapping their story as a spiritual practice um, is uh, is when it comes down to recognizing that well let me let me I, I think if you give me a second here I'm gonna pull out a a quote from someone, a friend of ours, um, that I think said it really well. This is my friend Alexis Wilson, um, who went through the materials quite a few years ago. She mm-hmm. says, what at first glance looked like a study has instead become a lifestyle. Through Listen to My Life, I have discovered the Lord's fingerprints in my life and the unique ways He can use me in this world. The study has given me both the tools and the confidence to look at my life, past, present, and future, with renewed hope and expectation, believing now more than ever that he has a great, irre- irreplaceable purpose for me. 
listen to my life beautifully weave together for me the joy and the reality of knowing Christ and how being in tune with his work can lead me to great adventures. Hmm. Yeah, I, what can I say? It's, there is a way of life that emerges in the midst of this process. We, we introduce people if they haven't been already introduced to spiritual practices, uh, we call one of them Reviewing My Days, which is based on an ancient practice of uh, the examine, and basically just asking yourself some questions at the beginning or the end of a day, and becoming aware so that we are in tune with what God is up to in a way that we can recognize and respond to Him, because everything gets down to, um, can I recognize and respond to God in this present moment? Because I can't respond to him in the past, and I can't yet respond to him in the future, but I can respond to him now. And if he is alive and active in me and wanting to work through me, and I can find myself in a place where I can recognize him and his activity now— and respond to it, that's what life that is truly life is about. And so, sorting this stuff out, what to take with us, what to leave behind, kind of clears the way to us being able to do that, responding in the now. Yeah, and the the other thing that's coming to mind to me too is I think that everyone is always trying to discern the voice of God, and these maps are really good ways to help us to do that. And and the other thing is, too, is we can't figure this stuff out on our own. We need guides along the journey. We need maps along the journey to help us unpack, unfold, discover, gain insight to to our past, to our present, to our future. Like we like we need people to help us. I think sometimes we think I should just be able to figure it out. And no, that's not necessarily the case. We, we need help along the way. It's true, and we're not we're not meant to make it out to to be able to figure it all out alone. We're meant to live in community, and we're meant to uh, be listened to, and um, and listen and learning to listen to others, and the blessing of learning to listen to someone else. In this process, we we hope that people will go through it in community or with a coach or a counselor or a spiritual director where they can be listened to. Best case scenario, I think, is when you're listening to one another in a, in a small group kind of a format, because the blessing of listening to someone else tell their story using some listening guidelines that we, uh, that we set up at the beginning of the process. Um, you cannot believe how much insight the Holy Spirit can give you about your own story when you're listening to the story of another. Somehow it removes us from our own story just far enough that the Holy Spirit keeps whispering in our ears along the way. <laughs> mm, that is so true. There have been so many times where I'm like, oh, I got an aha or an insight from myself by listening well, listening well to others. Well, mm-hmm. in, the, in the couple minutes we have left here, I, at the end, I want you to tell our listeners how they can um, get involved in this process and, and get mm-hmm. their hands on on these tools. But until people do that, what would be one or two questions that you would invite people to begin asking of themselves or begin asking of God to, to start this process of discovery? Well, I'd start with that lingering question. What's your lingering question? And become aware of it and turn it into a prayer and a conversation with God about that lingering question. And describe, so the, what, ling- describe the lingering question just one so, more time. Right. The lingering question, um, it's basically, what what is your subconscious working on? <laughs> um, what are the questions about your life, about God, um, that, that, that kind of linger beneath the surface for you? If, another way to put it is, if you had one question you could ask yourself about um, God, about your life, what would you ask him? Um, would be one way to go about it. The other thing is kind of those nagging questions. Part of what of what you expressed is, why am I this way? Or why am I that way? Or why am I not doing this? Or, <laughs> um, And then ask yourself, are there questions beneath the question? Hmm. And 
start becoming aware of those questions. And then um, it might lead you on some interesting adventures. Start a conversation with God about it, like I said. But there are some questions that will keep you stuck. And there are some questions that will free you. Okay, what are give us some examples of that real quick. What's what's the question that could keep us stuck and what's yeah. Okay, so there's a there's a person I spoke to recently who um lost a loved one um a while back, um, eight years ago or so. And her question is, um, God, why did you take this person from me? Now, when we start asking God why questions like that, um, and basically there's a, there's a hurt and an anger underneath that question, right? And there may not be an answer to that question on this side of heaven, but basically we keep, if we keep asking a question that's like that, we're kind of, it's as if we're making a demand that the past be different, and so, if inside of our questions is a demand that the past be different, um, basically it's going to keep us stuck because mm. you can't change the past. So it's kind of like, but if, why did you allow this? Is more of a demand, like how could you or why? That's exactly this, okay. It, it, as opposed to saying, okay, what might be a more, a more, I don't know if I want to term it useful or life giving question, or a question that you can actually engage in God with with God over, like. God, can can you help me heal this hurt? Um, Lord, um, help me to to live open to whatever it is that that you have for me. How can I open myself up to living life that is truly life, even in the midst of my hurt? So that would be an example of a more life-giving question rather than a demand. Right. Yeah. Right. So if if we find that there's a demand that the past be different in the midst of our question, it's a pretty good indication that you're asking a question that's going to keep you stuck. Or like, why am I still single? How could you possibly let this be? Or why haven't I had a child yet? Or why am I still stuck in this job? Like there's there's a there's an angst to that and that doesn't really allow room for a kind of open-handed surrender of inviting in, inviting, inviting God into what he might be doing. So with all of those, um, those, that string of questions there to be considering the fact, are these, are these useful questions for me? And what might be questions that could open me up to possibilities? Um, so Lord, how might you help me to see um, where I'm getting in my own way? Lord, uh, how can I how can I change my circumstances? What new options are available to me? And so there's there's a base reality to the lingering question that has to be acknowledged, that there's pain and there's hurt and there's suffering in some of the questions, right? Right, right. right. You have to acknowledge those, but you also have to recognize the fact that, um, that playing with these questions and saying, what might be a more life-giving way to do? Because basically the best lingering questions, I think, are questions that acknowledge the reality of my of my situation, but also um, put me on a God hunt for the day. That's good. So, uh, Lord, can you show me where I can extend myself in relationship today? Can you show me, Lord, how I can be a blessing to others today? Um. How can like the question that I that I crafted years ago? Um, how, how can I let God's love eradicate my fears? Because I want to catch myself being fearful, and I want to choose something else. Hmm. And you ask you, you ask, what questions could I ask myself on a regular basis 
daily, even several times a day, maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> every once a week, that will actually help me to see the opportunities that God has in front of me to be truer to who he made me to be, um, to express myself um, creatively and honestly, um, to be a force for good. Um, where did, How does God want to live through me, as me, in the midst of my circumstances? And asking questions about restlessness are great, you know. Lord, can you show me what this restlessness is really about? And and uh, where am I? Where do I need courage? What are you inviting me into? Yeah, the thing that's coming to mind for me right now, two words in my head. It's kind of the distinction between making a demand and asking God for a discovery. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. It's like how many of my questions are so demanding of an answer rather than inviting God to help me discover what he's up to because he is always up to something good. And, you know, in the midst of our circumstances, it, it doesn't always, it's not always what we feel like or what we experience, but it goes back to, you know, actually the beginning of our conversation that, you know, what I believe about God is going, that filter, that lens is going to impact everything else. And so remembering mm-hmm. that God is for you, God works all things for your good and for his glory. And even in the difficult times, rather than making a, a demand for an answer, turn it into a discovery rather than God, why? Are you doing this to me? Lord, help me to see how you're working on my behalf because I'm having a really hard time seeing that. But help me to discover and help me to help me to see what it is that you see. Yeah, and even even recognizing that, you know, we're plopped down into the middle of a sin-soaked world. And when something bad happens, it's not because God did it. It's because of the fact that there's sin in the world. Right. Right. And and think of how many how many times we've blamed God's God for our trouble. Sometimes we brought on ourselves, but sometimes it's just it's just run of the mill sin and sickness and and things in the world that that he he knew would happen in the midst of the fall and he promised to be with us in the midst of them. But there are natural consequences to sin. Right, right. Other people sin, right. my sin. Right. That's why it's that's why it's such a serious issue, right? <laughs> right, right. That we don't live in a vacuum. And so it may not even be anything that I've done that's causing the situation, but we, we don't live in a vacuum. Like we all there's you know, there's I, I It's in the air. Right, right, right. <laughs> what are we blaming on God that's not his <laughs> Well, but we do that, though, because if God really cared, and I've done that several times, like, Lord, mm-hmm. if you really cared, oh, you know, we do that. And I think the other thing is just being honest, like, that's part of, that's part of life, too. That's part of humanity, too, that we're going to have times like that. We don't, we're not going to be these perfect Christians that are, I'm never mad, and everything's always okay. Like, oh, that's gosh. not realistic, either. That's like, you know, look, the, at, look at the Psalms. <laughs> the victory smile, you know, it's like, oh, for goodness sakes. And the, th- the thing is, this is not a Bible study. Okay, we're planning on that. We we count on the fact that people have some experience in navigating the Bible, even if they don't have much. They're going to encounter themselves, and they're going to encounter God in the midst of a process like this. Where, but Scripture has an opportunity to make it from our heads to our hearts, and we keep being, bringing people back to Scripture in the midst of this process. So, we're entering through the doorway of your story, which has more influence on the decisions you and I will make today. My story and your story have more influence on the on how we will make choices today than Scripture will. Mm. And the fact of the matter is we have to recognize that our story is in competition with the truth of who God says He is and what God says is best. And when we learn to self-protect in various different kinds of ways, um, you know, we're, we're, we're always making choices about which one are we going to respond to. Are we going to respond to the voice of God? Or are we going to respond to the voices from our past? That's good. That's good. Well, let me, um, in, the, in the minute we have left here, tell our listeners how they can access these tools that can help them 
map out and really begin to uncover God's story and their story and what the the story is that they're living from and that God wants them to live into. What what how can our listeners find out more about these maps and get their hands on them? The first thing to do is to get get a hold of a set of the maps and then also recognize that we can help people um we can equip people to uh start a group and do this with others. And also coaches, counselors, spiritual directors and all, we can help you use use these materials with others. OneLifeMaps.com. It's O-N-E-L-I-F-E-M-A-P-S um, is the website. Um, and you can go under the products and events tab and you can uh, find the uh, Listen to My Life portfolio as your first option there. Um, off the homepage, you can actually download a free introduction booklet, um, which I would recommend you do whether or not you purchase the Listen to My Life portfolio. And for your listeners, why don't I'll, I'll create a coupon code, code of UNLEASHED. Great. The word UNLEASHED. And, um, and I'll set it up to give you a 20% discount on the portfolio awesome. if you'd uh, like to try it out. I love it. I love it. Thanks so much for sharing your wisdom. And I'm actually, as I told you before we hopped on the the podcast here, that I'm going to work through these with a small group. I'm going to invite some women that are in my life to do this with me. So I'll report back to you, Sharon. But thanks so much for the work that you're doing for the kingdom and all the work that you've allowed God to kind of reveal in your story as you help other people navigate theirs, because this this is really, really important work. So I'm just really grateful for your time. I'm so excited for the adventure you're on. I'm excited too. And hey, listeners, we love you. And you know what? I'm really for you living a life that is unhindered and unleashed. And we're on this journey together. I don't have it figured out either. And that's kind of the, maybe the mess of life and the beauty of life is that we never fully arrive, that God is always unveiling and unfolding uh, new things and new discoveries. So we hope that you will take advantage of the coupon code UNLEASHED when you go to buy your maps, grab some of your gal pals or guy friends, uh, if you're a male listening to this, and, and see what God might want to reveal to you through this process. You are loved, and we will see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>